This is Live from the Lair with me, Janine, and Patrick. Today we talk to Whitney Wasson. Whitney Wasson began stand-up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and has since performed all over the country. She's been a featured performer at over a dozen comedy festivals and was chosen as a headliner for the Chicago Women's Funny Festival in 2017. An experienced MC and producer, Whitney is a former founding producer of Strip Joker, the smash-hit body-positive LGBTQ-positive showcase. Under her marketing expertise, the show received positive mentions in the Huffington Post, Chicago Reader, Red Eye Chicago, and Rebellious Magazine for Women, amongst others. You can find more about Whitney at her website, thewhitneywasson.com. Our featured musical artist tonight is Bad Bad Meow. Whitney, well, thanks for coming out here today. Of course. Uh, 
So there's a huge uh, correlation between uh, partying and performing, right? Yep. So the Serenity Now showcase seems like such a uh, no-brainer idea, I guess, that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sober environment. But it's also not anything that I think has been done before, at least not on my radar. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you kind of come up with the idea with that? Well, I joke with people that I came up with the idea pretty selfishly because I wanted a comedy club level show that wasn't in a bar. Right. Because for so many things, you know, whether it's like going to um, a ball game or going to a music show or going to basically any kind of entertainment, it seems like, you know, in our country hinges on first get drunk, then enjoy your entertainment. Um, So for sober people, it's kind of a drag, you know, like even coffee shops here in Chicago mostly have booze. So I wanted something that was a fun, professional, like great night out that wasn't focused on drinking. So I looked around for um, venues that didn't feature alcohol and could also still have that kind of professional vibe. Right, and it does it for both the performers and the audience. Yes, and now to be fair, it's not like I, you know, have a breathalyzer at the door. (laughs) It's not like I'm requiring people to be sober. it's just that there are a lot of people that don't drink and they right. would like a place to go to as well. So I wanted to create a show that kind of, you know, flat out proves that you can be a great performer without drinking. Mm-hmm. So it's fun for the non-drinking audience to see that everyone in the lineup uh, either is a sober person or is someone who's recovering from addiction. So as a performer yourself, did you find that that was kind of a, um, uh, a hard to get over is the, the sobriety aspect of it or or we'll, we'll start with you but then with the other performers too because i would assume that everybody kind of has their different approach to the process and yeah and well so i definitely learned how to do stand up drunk um you right. know it's kind of a stereotype that a lot of people like either have a bet or a dare or sure. you know, something and you have you have some liquid courage. i don't even remember the open <laughs> mic that i was up at because it was Exa- you know, exactly and a lot yeah. of you know and it, that's that's kind of sad because it's like i wish you remembered you know that experience but so yeah all that said um i definitely had a few drinks before i first did stand up because i was an alcoholic who had a few drinks before I did anything. Right. But it definitely helped me starting out, you know, have a couple drinks, feel a little loosey-goosey, get on stage. Um, And, you know, like everything else in my life, stand-up was a group of people who drank like I did. So now when I look back on it, I realize that it was kind of the pinnacle of drinking crowd, you know. Like you said, like, stand-up as an art form kind of has this... Um, persona of you're a hard partying person, you know, sure. like you're this doomed, like destructive, <laughs> interesting artist type. Right. Well, I, I played music for many, 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 many years, and all of our idols were Paul Westerberg and the replacements, yeah. or Pantera, or David yeah. Lee Roth. And it's like that's part of the shtick is that you sure. get messed up and then you you're perform. A drunk party animal. And that you can't even do that. Like that's the thing is that the re- you're kind of sold like this lie yeah. that like you get hammered and perform. Right. And you're not you can't you can't play metal if you're that wasted. Like the right. intricacy required to perform it, it's just it, it's a, it's a load of bullshit and it's something that's kind of being fed to these people for everybody that wants to get into the performing arts is that yeah. like you kind of have to be half sauce to do it or the cool people do it drunk and it doesn't make you better yeah it doesn't make you better at all um and how, how is the create the creative process though because 
I mean, even throughout history, you know, everyone's like, oh, I got really stoned and then created this wonderful masterpiece. Or like, so did your creative process change once you became sober? It did. um, Because, you know, like back to the rock and roll lifestyle, really, like I would get hammered. I prided myself on someone who was usually on a lot of different substances when I was on stage. And then I would like hold court and hang out until the bar closed and and all of that. But the, the downside to doing that is that you can have an amazing set and people think you're this rock star legend. But I didn't remember what I was saying on stage. <laughs> so people would talk to me later and be like, that was incredible. That was so great. And I would be like, I hope what I said made sense. <laughs> right. And so when I stopped drinking and I had to write jokes, it was kind of terrifying because it was like, I really am going to have to take, you know, a lens to what I'm working on and be like, is this crap? I can't. And, you know, to be fair, it wasn't like I couldn't improvise as easily because I wasn't drunk. It was definitely just a mental thing of like, um, drinking sort of quiet at the self-censoring thoughts in my head mm. like it does for everybody you know att- like attorneys accountants drink it's not just like performing no 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 people. of course not and and yeah. there's i don't even know there's so many things to take it from. so yeah i would feel like creatively you'd almost be starting over once and you're doing it yeah sober, and i was because it was interesting like my you know i'm not very far into stand-up i'm about six years in but, That's not um, very far. Well, no. <laughs> Sadly, okay, listeners. Let I me feel tell like you. If, I feel like if you're more than six years in, and you're still at the, I'm not saying you're at the amateur yeah. level, but like you don't have a comedy central, like you're not on the roast. Well, that but, like maybe you're not good. Yeah, but what's crazy is that everyone's like, oh, this comedian came out of nowhere. Oh, they're so new. And virtually anyone that you see on TV or writing for something right. big, they're 10 or 15 years in. Yeah. And obviously there's exceptions. There's rock stars. You know, there's people that have done stand-up right. for two years and they got in Comedy Central specials. Yeah. But it takes a lot of work. Sure. So as, as someone who wasn't 10 plus years in, I had to look at my material and be like, oh my God, most of my persona is drunk, mess, wild, party animal. And just delivering that material you know, shakily holding my LaCroix or glass of water (laughs) didn't fly. And it was really embarrassing to realize what my persona had been, which worked for me at the time, you know, because I was a tornado of partying Yeah, notice you haven't changed your Twitter handle. I haven't changed my Twitter. Well, it's funny. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. Is it Twitter? Which is the booze tornado? It's it's everything. I stuck with it a long time ago because, like, the story behind that is that a friend's mom was like, hey, do you still hang out with that girl Uh, that – she was like a big part. She was like that, like booze tornado person. She didn't know my name and she hadn't met me, but that was the persona around me, right. like a tornado of partying. Um, so I kept it because it's funny and it's memorable. Um, but now I need to sort of like just in my life, I need to figure out like what am I doing? Well, most people, most people that have issues with substances don't. It's not like they're bad at it. Yeah. It's not like you get to that point because you're bad at partying. Sure. You're yeah. exceptionally good at it. And and that becomes your persona. Kind of. But the sad thing about it is that, like, when I talk with sober people and, you know, I hear more people's stories about it, basically, like, no one's ever really good at partying. You know? Like, I had endurance. Right. I had stamina. But I was a blackout drinker from the start. Right. So, so much of my ego was like, I'm great at this. I'm a good partier. It's like... I was good at staying alive until 2 to 4 a.m., but I wasn't sounding cool and smart. I wasn't as charming as I thought I was. I was sweaty and weird, you know? So how long were you – at what point did you become sober? Like, how many years into comedy and you were like, I got to stop doing this? Well, I – so I'm 32 now, and I quit drinking right before I turned 30. So I had started comedy in 2013 – and I got sober 
at the end of 2016. Okay. And then how long did it take you to come back into that comedy lifestyle? Because it's got to be scary because you know that everybody that you were with before was who you were partying with. Yeah, and, and it's difficult. Um, pretty much any sober person that you talk to, um, <laughs> well, I'll just speak from my own experience that you start to lose people, you know? Like a lot of my sober buddies are dead or like legit in prison or they're dead. I don't know. My friends hang out and talk all the time and we'll be talking about someone. We're just like, oh my God, they're dead. Um, and most of that is either from partying or just living that lifestyle of like just not taking care of yourself. Um, so I, I like a monster stayed in it. I really didn't take a break from stand up um, because I moved here for stand up, you know, and in some lame ego way, I thought like if I moved to Chicago from Arkansas, if I bootstrap myself into the stream that I wanted and then I quit it because I can't handle my substance intake, then maybe I shouldn't be here to begin with. So kind of in the same like bullheaded determination that got me here, I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick this out. And so I had a lot of pretty shaky shows and not great open mic sets and a lot of just panicking in the bathroom and you know, being like, oh my God, am I funny? Because you know, one of the things that I see at my show is that um, if everybody's drinking, if everybody's messed up, it's easy to have like this fun time. But if someone is sober and you're trying to tell jokes to them, they're like, all right, let's see what you got. And you're like, oh my God, I'm not that funny. And so really just having a clear head in comedy and in life is a fundamental life change that I'm still getting used to. Have you seen many comedians um, get sober and then decide they don't want to do it anymore? Or like that, that once you take away yeah. that, is it? there's no drive to do it or it gets too scary or it's too much pressure kind of unfortunately i've seen more people die before they reach that point wow. okay. which just crushes me because there's so many people that, w that i think of like on a daily basis that are so funny mm -hmm. and we don't get their jokes anymore yeah. or for bands we don't get their music anymore and what a stupid waste since most of those people were in their late 20s 30s early 40s like that's the time when your creative output is incredible you know, so I'm I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to keep my head above water and, and not hang with anybody that quits, which sounds really terrible, but it's just a spooky feeling to see these people drop off either right. because they got sober and their confidence is gone or they got sober and you know, they're working on getting their life together. Like I know that that sounds mean or, no, or no, heartless no. or something, but it's basically just like I gotta go forward with the momentum. Well, hey, follow-up question: Would you rather hang out with a comedian that is no longer sober, that or a sober person that's no longer a comedian? I is weird. I found myself in the same way that when I was a drinking person, I was only hanging out with other like hard, hard addicts. My network of people is increasingly sober. And, you know, just for the record, I know a lot of amazing sober comics mm -hmm. that I knew before my show or that, you know, I've met since then. Um, a lot of very famous comedians right, that are, yeah. like, at the top of their game have been sober for a really long time, which surprised me when I first quit. It, ma it makes you better, you know? Yeah. Cool. All right, cut to a song. We're going to pause right here and get into some music. This is Bad Bad Meow. Bad 
That's my dad joke. That's very cute. You like that? I did like that. Yeah, so are you like a graphic artist or what? How did that? Um, I initially in life wanted to be a cartoonist. Wow, okay. Yeah. And what what cartoons made you want to do that? All of them. Um, I watched everything. Like, I really like the old Fleischer cartoons and Merry Melodies. And um, I used to just play, my mom would record whatever Disney cartoons or whatever was like on TV, on VHS tape, and I would play them over and over my mom jokes that she has like every cartoon I like memorized but I like Hanna-Barbera and you know like Richard Scarry books and you know just really anything cool Mm -hmm. and has was this your Sober Rabbit like your first foray into that medium or kind of um in college I got a grant for a graphic novel that I was working on like I was pretty serious on on being a cartoonist or an illustrator okay and then drinking kind of derailed that and you know drinking and theater and just kind of not focusing on the craft um but I've always I've always been drawing you know just in journals and doodling I've done a bunch of um commissions over the years little children's books logos that sort of thing oh cool um and it was weird it's like you know you get sober and you're like oh i have skills that i forgot about you have skills and time yes and time time is the biggest one so um i had been trying to do a pretty serious graphic novel about my alcoholism getting over it just kind of getting my life together but it's just such a bummer and you know i already have a show about sobriety and it's something that i'm pretty you know open about so I kept trying to draw this, you know, my experiences with all the various things I tried to get sober. And then I was like, I don't know, what if there was a cuter way to, like, have an outlet, you know? And so I was like, what if I took all of my sad stuff that I'm still dealing with and funneled it through this image of something that's more palatable? So I was like, cats, bears, rabbits. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah. So I decided to take these same experiences, you know, like just falling on my face all the time and figuring out how to have human feelings and all of that and right. channeled it into a pretty crudely drawn rabbit. Right. Well, no, I mean, I think it works given I, that's kind of the, uh, at least 
I mean, I like it, and I think that it's part of my uh, what drew me to it was the lo-fi aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it if it's it's storytelling, but if you can convey a story, an emotion, and if you just do it like, and I want to get into your process next, mm-hmm. but like the fact that you can just do it with like little rabbits and pigeons and, and <laughs> stuff, that that to me makes it all the more powerful because that just shows how it's not about the flash, it's about sure. the substance. Yeah, oh, it's a simple, raw feeling. Like I, I, I started following you too, oh, <laughs> and so I've been watching this sober rabbit yeah. every day. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a really simple, it's kind of beautiful, for lack of a better term. Oh, it really is, because you. it's like a feeling, and it's just so raw. Mm-hmm. So it, it works. So what is your process with it? Well, so one of my main issues as an artist is finishing things and following through. And some of that was because, you know, I'm a person with clinical depression, and I was an active alcoholic. So it was just way easier to do drugs and not deal with my feelings. Um, so now that I've taken that out of the equation, um, Basically, what I wanted to do in order to finish something was keep the panel short, keep the art simple. Um, initially, I was just doing line drawings, but my partner was like, you you have more skills than this. <laughs> put, put a wash on it, you know. Right. So I was initially just doing pen and ink, little rabbit drawings, but um, I realized that I have really bad handwriting, so it was just kind of out of convenience that I was like, you know what, I'll do this digitally, I'll letter digitally. Um, but I had wanted it to just be pen and ink, and then I was like, you know what, what if I just drew this on my phone while I'm on the bus? So my process is real basic. I pretty much draw it exclusively on my phone. Mm. So I use an app called Tatsui Sketches. Okay. It's just called Sketches now. And it does have layers like Photoshop. So I'll basically sketch it out, um, and then I take that drawing with really minimal edits, like I may t- might take like a pattern brush or something and add in a little background. But I take the finished drawing and put it in an app called Canva okay. that's free and it's more like graphic design. Um, it has some, you know, prints and, and lettering. And so I, I knock out the lettering real fast and then I take that and I pop it on Instagram. So that whole thing, I would say the drawings that have more or the comics that have more panels, the ones that are a little bit more involved, um, maybe take two hours but really, the drawing of the comic takes anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. I fire it off. Because if I give myself any more time to talk myself out of right, it, right. Or like my partner's sometimes like, well, you could, you could add a little bit more depth to, the depth to this. And I'm just like, nope, fire it <laughs> off. Because I'll talk myself out of everything. Yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah. anxiety about my art. And like part of um, doing this comic and posting it on social media was kind of getting rid of that idea that it has to be perfect which for me is a hang-up in sobriety, too. Like, I want to be a perfect sober person. I want to be a perfect comedian. I want to be a perfect artist. But if I just fire this thing off, put it out into the world, and then I'm done with it, I can move on to the next thing. And you're getting immediate feedback, too, which is all positive, I am. Tasty, tasty (laughs) validation. Um, But I I do, um, I plan to have paper issues pretty soon. Really? Um, Yes. Are you going to, like, do them like a zine? Like, is it going to go old? I am. Yes. They're going to be really small. Yes. So um, I am hoping. Distributed though. Well, I'm hoping that I can get into the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo next year. Okay. Um, Have y'all been to Cake? It's like the best. Um, A lot of indie artists congregate in Chicago once a year. um, Anywhere from, you know, local zine makers, local artists to internationally renowned people. Um, Last year there was uh, Nick Gurwich who does Perry Bible Fellowship. Um, Jackie that does underpants and underbites. 
um, a lot of like big name comics come. Um, but as I understand it, they kind of prioritize putting in new voices and, and local people. So I'm really hoping that I could fire off a couple of paper issues, maybe have um, one longer form comic, and then ideally someone would help me with this. You know, I would get either a grant or sponsorship. Or sponsors- I'm dying for sponsorship in all facets of my recovery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 wink, wink. And um, be able to get you know, like a small graphic novel out of it. Um, I would. I feel like it's a subject that has a lot of legs to grow. So I would like to be able to develop plot lines for Sober Rabbit and for Brenda the Pigeon, and for a couple of comics that are or characters that are trickling in. You know, like I just introduced the squirrel, and I think that there's more for <laughs> <Squirrel>. him. <laughs> Have you thought about like because when your original inspiration was actual animation? Have you thought about, you know, using Flash or anything? Or I like would love to. I really, so I took a figure drawing class in 2003, and I've had maybe one other drawing class in, in my eight or nine years of undergrad education. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really a formally trained artist. I, I never took an animation class. I never took anything like that. So if I had any, and I know that there's like new programs to make it easier, but if I found a way to animate it, I would love to. If someone else would like to animate it, I'm putting it out into the universe. I would love to work with someone. Yeah, I look at like what my kid watches on YouTube and a lot of them, like, are you familiar with like any of that YouTube A a little bit. Odd Ones Out, that kid James. A lot of it's just like, it's very simple still drawings Mm -hmm. that maybe there's a quick, um, there'll be a quick cut between two drawings where there's a minimal change. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, 32 picture, 24 pictures. It's almost second. like iMovie where it's like slides right, of animation, but it's, right? But it's yeah. the, the slides go at varying paces, mm-hmm. and it'll, you know, sometimes it's little changes within the scene, sometimes the scene will change. You've got to send me that stuff because I would love yeah. to learn how to do that. Um, I think once you'll see it, you'll be like, oh, this is all it is. It's basically just like could be done entirely in iMovie and then with minimal voiceover. Nice. Um, I would love to do these voices. Are we going to volunteer for that? Well, no. I <laughs> I'm would sure love that. No. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not, dude, just your own thing, but I mean, like, I just, because you mentioned animation, like traditional animation, Disney, yeah. Hanna-Barbera. I would love to, and I, I love um, people that are still doing traditional animation yeah. with minimal digital altering. I think that's awesome. Right. So I would love to animate it. I think, you know, it's a project that I feel pretty strongly about. I like the little rabbit. I want to see them do big things. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so a question that I had that I, I, I shot over that I, I didn't really know how to articulate this, but you didn't say no to it, so I figure I'll ask <laughs> it, is like, are you worried about, because you do the sobriety, or serenity now, and then you do the sober rabbit, mm-hmm. like, is there, is there any kind of apprehension that like that one aspect of your personality is going to eclipse other stuff, or is it just like, no, this is giving this is freaking gold mine, man. I could talk about this all day long. It's interesting. When I first got sober, um, you know, and I was just so desperate and messed up, like, I basically solicited advice from anyone I knew of, like, should I talk about this on stage? Yeah. What should I tell anyone that I'm getting sober? Because it's a pretty shameful thing to be like, my life is out of control and unmanageable, and I have to not drink every day. Like, it's, you know, embarrassing stuff. Um, but I, you know, I talked to a friend and he's like, here's my advice. Don't say a word of this on stage. <laughs> don't, just don't bring it up. It's awkward. People are drinking. You have, like, part of my job as a comedian is to sell drinks to get paid, you know? And so he was like, just don't do it. 
And as soon as I got on stage, I just sort of like blurted out, like, I'm in recovery. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm bad. Um, but I just, I had to talk about it because part, yeah, you, part yeah. of sobriety is being honest. Right, and right. I was a very dishonest person. So in the same way that I hope I'm not billed as a sober comedian or a queer comedian or a southern comedian, you know, I'm all of those things, but I don't really want to lead with that. And I hope that my art whether that's stand up the art of stand up um or you know comics sort of speaks for itself um i've been a little bit apprehensive about making that my whole brand but um you know i'm hoping that people will know me for different things like i've told someone like very vainly that like my goal in life with my creative output is that i want someone to look at my wikipedia page and be like she did that oh what Oh wait, what? I know that. She did that too. Because I love artists that have a couple of different hustles and are capable of a lot of different things. Yeah. And so in, in doing the comic, it's been really funny. I've had a lot of people say like, man, I'd love to do something like that, but I can't draw. And I was really lucky enough to see Linda Berry at the hideout when she came through recently. Linda Berry is like one of the best cartoonists on the planet. Um, she gave a talk with Chris Ware, who's local, who's also like one of the best comic makers on the planet um but she specifically works with people who say that they can't draw uh, she hosted this legendary workshop with like housewives um immigrant populations people that didn't have the conventional art school experience because she wants to prove that like anyone can draw like your skills of drawing sort of drop off when you become a little kid and you mess up and don't like it and people encourage you to you know pursue something else and basically people get this wrong-headed idea that I, I would love to do stand-up, but I can't. Or I would love to draw, but I don't know. Just do it. Like, I'm proof that you, if you have a little bit of skill <laughs> and a lot of drive and right. a psychotic amount of ambition, just do it. <laughs> just do it. So I'm really glad that I can vent in all of these things. And right, you, know, well you, you don't want to take away – I mean, you, you have something – obviously, you have an experience that's worth sharing. So it's not like you should put a lid on it. Yeah. But I would just wonder, like, if I – because I do a lot of different things, like, and I just felt like if I had done, I know that that's something that I think would creep into the back of my head yeah. at some point. If I if I drew from the same, I, I, it sounds like I'm being negative. I'm totally not. No, being you're negative not. And, or and something that I'm like a little bit nervous about. Right. Like I, that's the thing is that I yeah. think I, I'm like, well, she. This has to be. Are you pulling all head. your comedy from your your sober living? You know, like your comedy is coming from different places it's not just all about sober 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 where yeah, are you finding I, your material now? well i have a lot of material about being sober but i'm a pretty observational comic so usually i'm talking about whatever i'm going through and not drinking every day is in the forefront right now um but no i, I try and vary it and um i'm trying to find kind of a comfortable place of getting out that i'm sober and that's a part of my life and then getting to other things and, you know, the writing process for me has changed since I've gotten sober. It's kind of the dominating force in my life right now. So I'm ready to move on to whatever's next. And same goes for the, the Rabbit comic as well. If, if I were to get into that upcoming expo either this year or in the next couple of years, I would hope to present a couple of different uh, comics and, you know, a couple of different topics. Um, you know, there's basically there's so much that I could write about living in Chicago and there's so much that I could write about being from Arkansas and living in Memphis briefly and you know like every person has 10,000 stories right. so I hope that I don't get pigeonholed into recovery comic but if I did it wouldn't offend me mm -hmm. and where are you 
performing around the city that is sober friendly for a comedy act? My show. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, um, there's a couple. There's a couple of shows that um, that do deal with recovery. Okay. Um, there's a comedy show called Laughs Without Liquor at Gateway that Melissa Rochelle runs, where she brings um, comics into a rehab. Uh, you know a rehab, basically, um, to put on a show for the residents that's really amazing. Um, there's an organization called Laughing Matters in Chicago that I think they're on hiatus for the end of the year, but um, they bring um, people who are from sober living to venues like Second City um, to just so that they can get like a break from you know treatment. Um, and I know a lot of sober comics that, that have their own projects and stuff like that, but it is really difficult to attend a show in a place where there isn't alcohol. So I would say that that's one aspect of um, Serenity Now that's important. The crowd theater um, in Lakeview was really willing to work with me and they're really awesome about making sure that there's no leftover beer cans, no one is vaping, that sort of thing, so that you could walk into this little black box theater and be like, oh wow, this isn't a bar. Right. Do you feel like you've um, recruited some folks along the way so many oh really <laughs> and yeah i have well are you bringing them over to the, the, the I, you know i try just because if someone is um in recovery and they're nervous about performing i really want to make sure that they know that drinking is just a small part of it like anything you know it's not essential to being an artist it's absolutely better for you as a comic if you're not hammered and performing so I've been really lucky to get a couple of people on the show and then have them back as repeat um, performers and I'm kind of collecting like my group my core group of performers that are people who um, have a strong recovery program who you know are great to work with and are also very welcoming to new people so I've had a couple people come to the show a few times saying that they're they're going to be ready to start stand-up soon and that's like my dream that's what I want to happen for sober people to be like you know what this is an art form that I can do because you know as much as I talk about it um in Chicago we're kind of a legacy of hard living performers you know you think about Chris Farley you think about Belushi there's all these people who died before their time at the peak of their craft because they were partying and you know I think about my friends that we've lost and people back home and I just think what a waste you know like I said we don't have their art anymore same with musicians all right we'll be back in just a minute this is going to be bad bad meow again
for checking out Radio 1 Chicago Presents Live from the Lair. This show was hosted by Patrick and me, Janine, and produced by Hacks for Radio 1 Chicago. You can find this podcast at Radio1Chicago.com, along with interviews, new music, and information about different artists from around Chicagoland.